opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We can always find mercy, grace to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, our Savior, our Maker, our Creator, and our Lord, our soon-coming King. But he reigns right now in majesty, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's given us a name above every name to use for authority, for holiness, and good things in this world. So we thank you, Lord, for the authority of the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we belong to him and we are a blessed people. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So angels, to help you, we're on page 31. And we're going to talk about this category called Holy Ones and Watchers. Holy Ones and Watchers. Now, Brother Summerall is a good uh, biblical author. So when he writes, he limits his uh, writing really to what's in the word. You'll see that sometimes when you see his writings. Now, if he has personal experience and God wants him to share a testimony or two, he does that as well. But uh, for the most part, he will limit his uh, writings uh, to what he sees in the word of God. And so, uh, and that's good, and that's good for foundation, but there are some things that we can pull uh, from the scriptures uh, in the study of them. So then we'll, we, if on my part, it reminds me that I need to go back to the scripture uh, that he's sharing so that we can get a good full understanding of what's going on. So on page 31, he gives a description from the book of Daniel about the holy ones and watchers. And these are the different categories of angels. So uh, so far we've had uh, the uh, seraphim and cherubim. We've had uh, archangels uh, and the heavenly hosts that are around the throne of God. It seems that angels uh, uh, abide around the throne of God and they are dispatched to uh, different places in the earth on assignment. And so heaven is their home. And it's not, I don't think it's, it's likely that angels just come to earth and hang out and dwell down here. That's for fallen angels. Uh, our angels are dispatched and they, if whatever God sends them to earth for, they accomplish that task. And when that task is over, then they ascend back into heaven. It looks like watchers, though, may have a more active role in the affairs down here on earth. That's just me trying to understand their function because it seems that they are aware very much of activities on earth. It seems that these watchers are assigned to different areas. Like they watch in certain areas things that need to be done uh, and they can, can know timing in God when certain announcements need to be made. And so it looks like these uh, watchers that are mentioned in Daniel chapter 4 are coming, are watching, but they are also announcing. Uh, as Jesus said, watch as well as do something about what you're watching, you know. Uh, there's a commercial on, um, I, I think it has to do with a, um, a security system, home security system. And the, this bank is being robbed. And the guy says, oh, I don't do it. I just monitor. 
I'm not really a, a security guard. I'm a monitor, security monitor. So he lets you know the bank's being robbed, but he can't do anything about it. And so, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's why it's good to support the First Amendment. You know, don't ever let don't ever let the government take your right to defend yourself away from you. It's, that's like the last one. <laughs> you got to do it that way. You you won't live. You keep messing around with some of these crazy government people. But uh, <clears throat> these are categories, and they are are delegated to do specific jobs. So it says here there are various minor categories of angels mentioned in the Bible such as holy ones and watchers. Now, see, I'm not sure that these holy ones and watchers are not archangels, in a sense, you know, because they have to be aware because their archangels are in charge of hosts of of warrior angels. They have to also be aware of what they're fighting. And so we just have to assume that there may be some overlap here in certain areas uh, it, it's not specific that there are strict categories and, and some can't do other kinds of jobs. For instance, Michael the archangel uh, is, uh, uh, I know Gabriel the archangel announces changes in the earth in certain circumstances. But you'll see here these watchers do the same thing. And so when they're they're here to speak, they are here to speak. Oh, he says here, uh, they are holy ones and watchers. Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar reported, I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. They announced judgment by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. Then the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven. Could these watchers and holy ones still be at work today? It's an interesting thought. Well, I would say yes, just because there's no reason for God to change things. You got me? Says King Nebuchadnezzar was overthrown because of his sin. From time to time, we read of contemporary rulers being overthrown as well. It may be that these angels continue to decree the downfall of sinful nations and leaders. So in uh, in Daniel chapter 4, if you'll turn there, and we'll uh, show you their effect in the earth and how important uh, their work is. And I think when you're a person that prays and you're looking to see change, you're looking to see your prayers come to pass, you know. Uh, The thing that I like about our job as watchmen is that we understand the work of the kingdom of God, not just the kingdom related to your family or your church or your job or your little corner of the world. But we we have a more, I think, a more global uh, uh, worldview. We have more of a greater worldview than the average person who is interceding for needs. See, it just depends on how big your world is. If your world is your family, then you'll just pray for those needs and you'd be glad when you get an answer just to small things. But if your worldview is that God uh, is on my heart to pray for people in different nations and so forth. And it's, it's really a shame that people don't have encouragement to pray on different levels because 
many times God will give people burdens to pray. I, I can see legitimate concern in some of the stuff that people say, but they don't have answers where they can say, well, okay, we'll pray for that and get assured that that gets taken care of. They do it as a complaint. And then it comes out, well, the church needs to do so-and-so. And it's spoken from a perspective of somebody who's coming out of a very limited worldview and trying to get into a larger picture. Go ye into all the world, first of all, and pray about these things, you know. And uh, and so I think when people's worldviews world are trying to shift, they'll get into this complaint mentality. Because you see the problem, but you your hands are tied as to what to do about it, you know. It'll be nice when the day comes where people can really pray and say, God, I really want to pray and I want to do something about these things. Lead me to a place where that can be done and go ahead and do it. I've seen people do all kinds of things. They'll see you you already have a ministry and they want to get you to pray what God put on their heart. We already have our assignment. You know, I'm not I'm not looking down on anybody. I'm not. But when you say for instance if somebody if you have a newborn and somebody tells you well this person's got a baby over here and they can need to be taken care of and you already got your hands full you're not going to drop your baby and go take care of someone that's because they need care you understand what i'm saying and so these things are precious just like that these sorry about that tone can you do the thing on the side and make that thing shut up. I'm sorry, I should have done it before I put it there. But uh, anyway, it, it, it's just that important that you stay on your watch. Because if you get off of it, who's going to take your place? Huh? So, And you don't want to know who's going to take your place. And you don't want to treat it that casually that you'll give it up that quickly and let somebody else do your job that God's assigned you to do. See? When you say assignment, most people get angry inside or they, or it's not me. What do you mean assign? I don't have to do that. You know, we recoil at that. We recoil at being uh, committed, uh, held accountable, all that kind of stuff. Well, God's got you accountable anyway, whether you like it or not. And whether you think it's right or not or whether you think that's true. I mean, she just She just say that to get you to do stuff. I don't have to do that. The Holy Spirit lives in you for a reason to tell you what to do with your life that you ain't doing nothing with anyway. If God didn't give you something to do, most of us wouldn't have crap going on. But the rent and barely that and not able to pay that. So be thankful. You know, <laughs> he was like me, joyful, <laughs> fussing at y'all. But you know what I'm saying. Just don't let the devil start filling your head with nonsense. Don't don't get filled up with junk in your brain. And uh, walk off from your watch and quit doing what God's called you to do. Do your job and, and do it faithfully. Do it with joy and with gladness. Uh, don't worry about what else is going on in another place that's more exciting than what's going on. You know, get learn how to excite yourself. You know what I'm saying? If, if this ain't reading off these little prayers and praying in tongues, if that ain't exciting enough for you, go get you, you know, some extra communion or something. I don't know. A little wine for your stomach, say. But nobody told you that this was going to be a thrill a minute. 
God never promised me a thrill a minute. And some of the things that I've been involved in that are thrilling, I'm glad they're over with. You understand what I'm saying? I need peace in my life right now. So, holy ones and watchers, and see yourself as a watcher. Amen. See yourself as being under the authority and order of God's watchers because they help you to see what you see. Amen. They help you to identify what you identify as either blessings, problems, or something like that. So it says here in verse chapter 4, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. This was a man of great stature. The Bible says that there are no governments that are not of God. He sets kings up and he takes them down. So nobody is down here ruling without God's either sovereign permission, his permission as far as what people allow, and this is a big part of it, what we allow is allowed. What we don't allow is not allowed. And and a lot of it weighs heavily on what believers support, what we encourage, what we discourage, what we don't support, what we don't spend our money on, what we don't uh, have agreement in, participate in. Uh, A lot of what God does as far as setting up and setting down kings and people like that depend on what the believers do. Period. So, and see, the devil wants to hide this from believers. He wants you to make you think that what you do isn't important. You know, for instance, you know, I can tell you right now, one of the main reasons, this is my opinion. So you don't have to send me to jail on this and you can get mad if you want to and I don't care. But I see a very subtle thing that the enemy has been doing to draw Christians away from their roots of Christianity. And he'll do it through this uh, uh, racial division that liberal people speak and keeping people compartmentalized. See, I'm not black. I know I look black to y'all, but I am a Christian, okay? I am, my color is glory, amen? And so I am a Christian first. I don't care who's in office. I don't care what party it is. If they don't go, if what they espouse and believe is not biblical, I do not give them their my vote, my support, anything like that. Because I am not going to stand before God and have lived over close to 40 years as a Christian. And here you didn't do well, unfaithful servant. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Because I saw babies being slaughtered year after year and you kept voting Democrat because you black first and they pigeonhole all black people in one category. Or or guilty white people. You know, they make white people feel guilty because you stole this country from the red man and you put homosexuals down and you've oppressed all these people so now you got to be liberal and let us take this country away from God. See what I'm saying? See, rule number one, whenever whenever the dictators come in, what is the first thing they take from people? 
Uh, they take God first. First you take God away. And once you remove God from people and make them rebuke them every time or ridicule them every time they reach out for God, then you have control over them. You can make them worship what you want to. You make them believe what you want to. And so we all have are seduced by this worldly spirit that wants to make us feel guilty because we believe truth. You see, and quit speaking it. I want to take your livelihood away over a cake. And not not really the cake, but the doll sitting on top of it, you know. Go buy your blank tape cake and put whatever doll you want to put on top of it. Get you a can of squirt uh icing and put the letters on there, Paul and John or or Lou and Frankie or whoever you know, whatever you want to do. You're free to do that. But you cannot continue to take God away from God's people. You can't keep doing that. Amen. God abhors it. He doesn't like it. He's not going to tolerate it. And if his people would stop being intimidated and going along with the stupidity and rise up and do the right thing, as Mr. Spike Lee would tell you, he got that much sense. The right thing for us is to stay with what God, what's, what's true in the Bible. What does the Bible stand for? So we're going to have to defend our faith at some point, folks. We can't just sit around pretend to be Christians and want to be blessed and have our little confession and not let anybody know who we are. Amen. It's time to at least let God know who you are, you know, and anybody else. So Nebuchadnezzar, king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. This was Nebuchadnezzar's problem. He was like too big to fail, right? He was so big he thought he couldn't fail at anything. He thought the world couldn't do without him. He said, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. So this is him writing a history of his this incident that he had with God. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I made a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers, The cook, the baker, the cleaner, anybody who could tell me, anybody could help me. I'm looking for them. And I told the dream before them, but they did not make it known to me. And at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him, I told the dream, saying, now listen, let me tell you something. When you're anointed by God and you're gifted of God, you don't have to push to the head of the line to be known. That's just an aside, see. I, I wasn't even planning to tell you that. But everybody else comes in, do they thing, and then last Daniel comes in. If you've got answers for people and you know God and you've got knowledge, you don't have to push your way into nowhere and say, I'm the one you're looking for. You just let them do their thing. Just wait. 
your turn until God says you go. And so he says, but at last Daniel came in and he, he the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I told him the dream, saying, Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. People know who you are. God will make them know who you are. No secret troubles you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I've seen and of the interpretations thereof. Thus were the visions of my head and my my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. The height of it was great. The tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached to heaven and the sight of it to the end of all the earth. The, head, the leaves thereof were fair. The fruit was much. In it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under the fowls of the heaven. Now that's him. He's, he's king of the whole earth. And people are prospering and flourishing under his reign. And he said, and the fl- all flesh was fed of it. And I saw the visions of my head upon my bed. Behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, thus hew down the tree and cut off its branches. Shake off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the beast get away from under and the fowls from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump. Praise God. And the roots in the earth until with a band of iron and brass, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's and let a beast's heart be given to him. Let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers. The watchers make decrees. Amen. Isn't that what we do when we pray? We're not just sitting up begging God for this and begging God for that. Can we please have you make decrees based on your position and the authority that God has given to you because of your work that you're called to do for him. So the matter is by decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. And in people who who have that authority in their words that can decree a thing and, and it be so, don't throw their words around. You, you understand what I'm saying? This isn't your power. I, I had to remind somebody of that recently. You know, they were frustrated in their attempts to do ministry here and do ministry. I said, that's not your power. You can't take it anywhere you want to and make God use it for good. Are you kidding me? They didn't see that that was what they were doing. They said, well, just, uh, I just want to help. No, you don't. You want to obey. It's a big difference. Who you helping? It's by decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. So these things, when these watchers and holy ones speak, They speak 100% the authority of God. They speak 100% a done deal. There's no vacillating, no going back. For instance, when um, Hezekiah was sick, God told him through the prophet, you're going to die. Watchers have more authority sometimes than humans do, even though we're speaking by the Spirit of God. Because what happened... Uh, Hezekiah was smart enough to intercede for himself. (laughs) 
<laughs> see all these people and pray for me, pray for me. Well, my, maybe if you just ask God yourself, you might get a little more mercy. You know what I'm saying? And so he asked, he told God, he said, well, you know, pl- plead his case. What you going to do? I've been doing this. I've been doing that. You can't take me away from me. You ain't going to have nobody. Whatever you need to say. So before the prophet got out the door, God had changed his mind. Mercy. See, let me tell you what people do. They say, well, God changed. He changed. No, he doesn't change. God always wanted him to live. The change was when he sentenced him to death early. What is the will of God? See, God can decree something that's not necessarily what he wants for you. Because you're not doing what he wants you to do. So he said, well, time out for you, brother. I'm getting somebody. No, no, God, give me another chance. That's what it was. See, God always intended for Hezekiah to live. He didn't want him to die. It's not the will of God that anybody perish. He wants you to live out your 120 years. That never changes. So God changed back to do his own will. Once Hezekiah repented, that will get you a whole lot in life. You got me? And so anyway, he said he would leave the stump. His heart be changed. The decree of the watchers. That means it's a done deal. And the demand by the word of the holy ones. So when they start decreeing and demanding, that means that angelic forces are coming behind them to to, uh, carry this out and to make sure it happens. And so he says, he says, to the intent that the living may know that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will, sets up over the basket, uh, sets up over it the basest of men. And so the watchers and the holy ones seem to know the mind of God and the reason for the judgment being carried out. And they can explain that fully to whomever that they are sent to, to carry out their function. This dream I could King Nebuchadnezzar have seen, and you, O Belshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spoke and said, Let not the dream or the interpretation trouble you, Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, the dream to the dream be to them that hate you and the interpretation thereof to your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and was strong, whose height reached to heaven and leaves were fair, etc., etc. Verse 22, it is you, O king, that are grown and become strong for your greatness is grown. You reaches unto the heaven, your dominion to the end of the earth. Now, when his greatness reaches to heaven, that means that God has ordained to make him great. God protects your reputation. He protects your name. He protects your image. He does does all of that. So when his greatness reaches to heaven, that means that it is protected by God. Got me. And the areas, and whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots, and, and even with brass, with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with dew of heaven, 
and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. That they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and shall and they shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over you till you know, till you know. Till you know. So there's a purpose in everything God does. And God, it's, it's a done deal that at the end of this separation and this trial in his life, he's going to come out knowing certain things. Many times when we look at people's difficulties, those trials are not for them to gain knowledge or they would. Got me? Like you see people, well, when are they going to learn how to live right? You know, they lost everything, and this, they get sick and all this kind of stuff. When are they going to learn? Well, that's not what that's for. Because if God ordains it and the purpose of it is carried out, then they'll learn at the end of the trial what they're supposed to learn. We just look at it and think our own little thoughts about what it's about. But until you get something like this, an interpretation for that then it's not God telling you that. You're just guessing. So I just quit guessing. I learned in my life, quit guessing, like when is my husband going to really get saved or when is this really going to happen? Quit guessing. And live your life in the realm with get in your sandbox, play with your little stuff, and stay there until God tells you and calls you out and tells you something profound. (laughs) It says, And whereas they're commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, your kingdom shall be sure unto you. So leaving the stump is a blessing. Anybody been down to a stump in life since you've been saved? Ah, that's a blessing. Thank you. So be grateful for your stump. I'm serious. We think we all in line for a blessing because we do everything right. Uh, that's not why you get blessed. <laughs> Amen. It helps, but that ain't the reason. So anyway, so be thankful for your stump. Your kingdom shall be sure unto you. After that, you shall, after after that, you shall have known that the heavens do rule. So Nebuchadnezzar is a little full of himself. Thinks he's all that. Been doing it a little too long for God to be pleased with him, so he gets cut down to a stump. Say, wherefore, O king, let my my counsel be acceptable unto you and break off your sins by righteousness. So here Daniel really is counseling him, telling him what he needs to do. When do you ever hear prophets tell people stuff like that? It's somewhere in that prophecy about the house and the car and the beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Especially if they're not in line with God. See, the prophecy's in there somewhere. We think of it as bad news, but you think you let these people go thinking that they're in line for a blessing right now and there's a hindrance that they can correct very easily. It's not hard to repent. Just... I shall we God. I shall we. Hmm? You know, however you do that thing. So so anyway, he says you're because he says, "Oh King, let my counsel be acceptable to you." And he's even afraid to tell him to correct himself. 
and break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of your tranquility all this time upon uh, all this came upon king nebuchadnezzar and at the end of 12 months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of babylon the king spoke and said this <laughs> it's not this great babylon that i have built see god gave him a year to straighten up did he not Daniel tells him this can be shortened for you or this can be altered if you will replace your iniquity with righteousness. It won't happen. So he didn't do it. It's not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of thy might by my power and of my honor and my majesty while the word was in his mouth. There fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and make you eat grasses, oxen. And it says, until you know, there's a reason for it. It's not always the reason we think. We see people with difficulty, and we say, oh, it's because. And it's always some habit they have that we don't like. See, thank God you're not God. You couldn't handle a job for 10 seconds. Give you a big headache. And he says, they shall make you to eat grass as oxen, seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. In other words, anything of this earth is not yours. You may have possession of it, but you don't have ownership. That's like the difference between having a mortgage or a car note and having a paid for you have possession but not ownership the same hour was a thing fulfilled upon nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men eat grasses oxen his body was wet with a dew and fur he turned into an animal he had hair feathers growing all over him and his claws were like a bird's talons And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven. My understanding returned unto me. Ooh, how did he get his understanding back? Worship God. He wasn't so big anymore in his own eyes. Yeah. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and his understanding returned to him. And he blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing? So nobody is God's boss. Not even me, Nebuchadnezzar. Took me seven years living like an animal, eating dirt, eating grass to find that out. And at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added to me. You see, even though some of these people that worked for him may not have been aware of that prophecy, they didn't look for him until it was time. 
See, when God, when it's time for something to happen, God lets everybody who needs to be involved in it know about it, and they will do what they're supposed to do. Don't ever think that God's withholding something for you or putting something out of when are you going to do this, God? He does things in due season, just not due yet. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. That's all God wanted was what's due him. And, and it's better for us to let God be God instead of us trying to take his place all the time. And do things that just because we want to do them and we think we're supposed to have them and we, we, we are living beneath our privileges, eh, whatever you want to call it. You know, we think we're supposed to have stuff. And so if we will let God do what he needs to do and trust that he's a just, honest, and fair God, we'll do a whole lot better. So the holy ones and watchers gave the decree and gave the uh, order for these things to happen. At their word, uh, other forces are mobilized. Angels begin to motivate and speak to people what to say, what to do, when to say it, and when to do it. Because trustworthy people do have power with God. They have influence with God. You know, how do you think you can get anything done or or your prayers get answered if you don't have power and influence with God? If If you are faithful with what he gives you and you can can begin to be trustworthy with your words the bible says if you make your vows and pay them and that's not just talking about money a vow is any promise you make to god he's talking about faithful people when you pay your vow say i promise to to get miss karen if i say miss karen i said you know what every now and then i find shoes your size she got little little feet I take two of them and then some. You understand what I'm saying? But that's okay. That's another story. That's me. But anyway, uh, if I say that, if I don't fulfill that, then I'm not a trustworthy person. And then God will start bugging her about me. Because her mind will tell her, well, that lady never does anything. You know, and that will stand unless I learn how to fulfill what I tell people. I'm going to do. So I don't promise people anything that I don't know I can fulfill or I don't have a heart to fulfill. Like I don't make promises so you guys will think I'm real generous. You understand what I'm saying? You have to get beyond who you think your reputation is here on earth and just learn how to be honest. And you know what? God will help me fulfill those things. He'll say, you know, remember you told Miss Karen, you say, oh, yeah, here they are. Let me get them for her. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to live like this. And then God will be faithful with the things that you need that he needs you to do. It's not just for him. So I'm not decreeing a bunch of money so I can go spend it. But I decree things on behalf of God and on behalf of his kingdom. And then I allow God to to um, bless me and bring things into my life with my faith for my personal life things. So you don't get the two of them confused. Huh? I'll give you an example. I was praying about somebody. There was a minister that came to one of our conferences and they brought an intercessor that was part of their ministry with them. I think I told you this story before. She rubbed me the wrong way. 
And it's, it wasn't that I didn't like her or like her hair. I just didn't like her. <laughs> Something in me said. Oh. And see, let me tell you what rubs me the wrong way with people who are close to anointed people. If those people aren't right, the church will suffer. Because this they, this, they can influence people, somebody around you all the time that doesn't know how to watch their words or try to watch what they speak and free to say their opinion about everything. It just wasn't right to me. And so they had come and they were, we paid for them to stay because they were supposedly, you know, part of their ministry, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said, God, don't send her back anymore. Let's just put that as a request before God. And I said, and please get her away from that ministry because she's going to wreck it. And these people have been in some trouble in ministry and we're trying to rebuild. And if God's with you in the rebuilding, the devil will always send somebody in there to yank it up for you and jerk it up and make keep you down low. And so when that person was invited back again, I saw <laughs> get a room for her. And I said, God, didn't you hear me? And the next thing I knew, the, the person in charge of the ministry called and said she won't be coming. You got me? And let me tell you why. She told me, she said, and I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, I'm glad. I said, it's an answer to prayer on my end. I said, because I just never felt peace about here being with you all. And the woman cried. She said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, we pray for you. We prayed for you for years. And she said, I believe that. And I know that. She said, I just feel so bad. She said, let me tell you why. She said, When we moved here to start the ministry over again, she said, I was not careful about who I let come work. She said, I felt so bad because of what happened to us. And the see, guilt, condemnation can make you make bad choices, can keep you feeling inferior and you feel like you got to take anything, get inferior goods. Be careful how you feel about yourself when you make certain decisions. Got me? No, I mean seriously. You, you, you have to be careful what you, the state of your, your spiritual condition when you have to make major decisions. Like people tell you if you just lost a spouse, don't get married in a hurry. You understand what I'm saying? Give yourself a time to recover. Don't make major purchases. You know, people that that uh, are grieving get big insurance settlements sometimes and they'll buy something like a yacht and don't have a yard to put it in or anything to haul it with. You know what I'm saying? It's anything make me feel better and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you have to be careful that you're prayerful, that you wait for God's timing. It's a whole bunch of stuff involved in making important decisions. You, you're, you gotta be able to hear well from God and hear clearly from God, all that kind of stuff. And so she confessed to me, she said, I just felt so beaten up from, by what happened to us when we left there. She said, I just wasn't, she said, I guess I was just so glad somebody was willing to help us. I just took the first person that came in here. She said, but I realized right after I did it, 
that it was a mistake. She said, and I just decided right now that I would put an end to it. And so she said, I I spoke to her and I told her, we're not going to discuss it. I'm letting you go. Don't come to me and ask me what it's about. You just leave. Just pack your things and leave, please. And so that was the end of it. You got me? Holy ones and watchers. Amen. And they can carry out these things because God wants to preserve his kingdom. You got me? He's looking at bigger, bigger fish to fry in this whole thing. And you have to be willing to do your part. Suppose I had felt insecure and say, well, let her come anyway. I don't, I don't feel it. Y'all know I'm y'all know anything. You know, I might feel insecure about some things, but personally, but I don't let it interfere with what God's. And I'm working on the rest of it. You got me. So these watchers and holy ones are still at work today. I believe that's to be true. There are godly thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. There are two passages in Scripture from Paul's writings that tell us about these classifications. Colossians one. 15 through 16, talks about thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. These are things, it says, for by him were all things created. So God created all these things, things that are in heaven or in the earth, visible and invisible. And these are visible and invisible thrones. There are visible and invisible thrones. There are visible and invisible dominions. There are visible and invisible principalities, and there are visible and invisible powers. They must work on both levels. In the heavenlies, they work by uh, angelic dominion, and on the earth, they still work by angelic dominion, but then they can set human beings up in office. They can set them in, in a seat of authority. So if there are dominions and powers that rule and guide in the earth, then God will have similar or like positions down here and they take orders from what's up in heaven over there, that area. Pastor Shirley and I were talking about, remember when we first came to Toledo, we would notice certain things and God told us that this was a gateway to uh, this area between Ohio and, and really from the north to the south. And so uh, I was telling Pastor Shirley that I've been reading recently a lot about this being a major stopping point in the human trafficking train chain that's coming from north of of the Ohio border and that flows all to all to all kinds of areas. So this is like a dropping off point in Toledo. Some of these hotels that you see. You ever see these truck stop seedy looking hotels and you think is that thing open or what? Sometimes they are rented by people who are human traffickers. And they have seedy places or they'll get houses in neighborhoods, quote unquote safe houses, where they can hold people up. And so these evil princes then are able to rule down here and tell people things to do to keep darkness going. Amen. And so uh, there are many, many things, there are many areas that are ruled 
uh, in in uh, uh, seedy and dark kinds of things like uh, there's areas in Detroit where there's an abundance of hotels where uh, prostitutes work out of and all that kind of stuff and and so and then there are people that fight them you know like uh, some hotels if it's a nice hotel that's in the same area they'll make you stop at the desk and <laughs> show your ID picture ID and you know all that kind of stuff so I mean that people try to stop it in the natural as much as they can but this stuff infiltrates everything why because they're under command by an evil prince up there that's telling them to do these things just do them anyway people get involved in witchcraft and witchcraft helps to spread this stuff to different areas because witchcraft knows no bounds that's a boundless uh, type of power because it infiltrates the human mind and the, the devil can speak anything to you and it sounds legitimate like i think i'll try that that sounds like fun you understand what i'm saying and so the princes the all of these have both a a heavenly and an earthly counterpart that they take orders from so people who are down here and i don't care if it's nice devils you know uh, that that look pretty and doll things up, you know. Uh, it's just just it's evil. Anything from the world is evil by the God of this world. So there's nothing good out there, folks. Those those classifications seems to refer to godly powers of angelic orders. We have very little information about them other than their names. Well, you can pretty much infer by the de- definition of the name what what level they work on. Then in Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, it talks about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, and high places. So the apostle Paul had ascended to heaven several times. So you've got to look at who's writing this and who sees it. There are other people who have ascended to heaven and were allowed to see what, what the earth looked like from somebody who starts down here and goes up there. And they talk about levels, seeing seats of authority, thrones in the heavenlies, not the heaven where God is, but the heavenly realm. There's evidence that this is is more than likely true from the book of Job. It says that Satan came along with the sons of men to the throne room of God. So Satan went from... Uh, uh, just being kicked down to the earth when man he got man to sin that gave him authority down here so he can talk to God about things down here like he runs stuff and he does run stuff see and so the way the way his structure is set up and and this person saw angels fighting one another in the atmosphere as he ascended higher and higher above the earth there's evidence too that there is the Tower of Babel, remember the people built uh, a wall to go up to heaven. The Bible doesn't say how far they got. But they were trying to get up into the heaven where God was until God confounded their language and, and the, the work stopped. But they, it, what you ascend to, you possess. So they were pos- able to possess positioning for angelic powers in the heavenly places when we pray we are praying not just to get something done or to get these prayers out the way or how many i got 
Do I have to call out these names or can I lay hands on them? That's not what you're praying for. You're praying to unseat these devils so that holy angels and watchers can take them places and God can start to get some work done down here. When, when those girls were released that been in, had been imprisoned in that house in Cleveland for 10 years or more, when they were released, there was too much how many people have have been captured and let go? Tons of them. I mean, you know, there's lots of people been kidnapped, hijacked, went back home. No big deal. The atmosphere in Cleveland changed when those girls were released. There were people dancing in the streets, not only in that neighborhood on the west side, but in other areas too. It was like something shifted. And I'm not talking about shifting the atmosphere, all them songs. I'm talking about a real change. It's just so much stuff. Y'all just have to bear with me, okay? Peace out. But, uh, you know, I'm talking about a clearance in the atmosphere, a removal of something dark. A lightning in the atmosphere, removal of something heavy that used to have a grip on a whole city, but now it's gone. You got me? Amen? When you have a a basketball team like the Cavaliers, now LeBron James should never have come back here just in natural understanding of things. He was not obligated. He had moved on. He wanted championship. He didn't want to be with a bunch of losers. He didn't want any of that stuff. For him to come back, something must have changed somewhere bigger than he was. And for the Cavs to win, I remember reading reports, the worst team in basketball, is the Cavaliers the worst team ever in basketball? Because they had never won a championship before, not even close. And so then all of a sudden, This whole thing shifts so that people, even normal everyday people, can get benefit of the change. That is an atmospheric change where a prince has broken. Same thing with, and I'm not saying this because we prayed. Get get over yourself and get over thinking little of me. Amen. But when when Jack Kravorkin was convicted of murder things changed in Detroit because that we were the murder capital and a whole atmosphere and a whole city changed so that now and when you see a mayor of a city doing what is Kwame in there 20 years or something he's got to do he's in double digit stuff he ain't getting out no time soon you see me see what I'm saying mayors don't get arrested and convicted folks they just do what they do forever and so when you see things like that happening, that means God is free. If somebody up there had to give up their seat and let the holy angels and the watchers rule for God's kingdom. So, so yeah, so we have authority over those things. And what we do when we pray, when we bind Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh, you bind them every single time you sit down and you better. Amen? Because... The little bit of progress that we see is because of that. 
Amen. And it wouldn't happen if you weren't faithful to do that. But understand that every time you raise your voice to vote against them three, God is making progress. So, you know, you just have to do these things. Amen. God is in control of those wicked forces and even uses them for his purposes. For example, he used them to afflict the Egyptians prior to the exodus. He cast upon them fierceness of his anger, wrath, and indignation and trouble by sending evil angels among them. Those are some of the angelic ranks. God in his wisdom has not given us much information about the names of angelic orders as we might like. He has simply lifted the curtain of heaven a bit so that he might that we might catch a glimpse of those spiritual beings and their activity on behalf of God and of man. So we're going to stop right here if I'm thinking I might finish this up when we get back. We're going to still try to get there on time, Ms. Noel, if you want to. Amen. So we'll uh, we'll break for lunch and we'll get back. We'll finish up. I just have a little bit more than one more page to finish on that. And then we'll do our second teaching. So we're not going to prolong our day. Amen. We're going to keep on schedule as much as possible and we will be back. Amen. Hopefully we've got a better understanding now of the different levels of angelic, not only angelic help, but also angelic uh, uh, intervention uh, for the prince of this world. And so uh, you know that when uh, Satan tried to take over the throne of God, uh, he was able to take one-third of the angels in heaven with him. So those are the ones that occupy. We were talking about the different seats and thrones and dominions uh, in the heavenlies, not in in the heaven of heavens, but in heavenly places. So uh, uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And he also has dominion down here or lordship on earth. He was stolen from Adam. But Jesus rightfully took it back from him. So we now have the ability to rule and reign for God, not for self and not for the devil. And so now the devil has opposition down here. And so we are repossessing what he stole from us. It rightfully belongs to us. And that's why when you stand up in authority on God's behalf, God stands behind what you do because God never does anything that's illegal, immoral, or unholy. And so what we are doing now is giving back to God and his heirs what rightfully belongs to us. And so when we take authority over uh, different spiritual forces, they resist us because what would you do if somebody was kicking you out and you had no place else to go? But they have to bow. So if we don't give in to the devil's demands and we don't give in to his manipulations and his foolishness, then we can unseat these powers and let God's, get, let God's power reign. And we've all seen this or heard of it happening uh, before when they have what we call revivals. And now we'll find out there was a group of people that prayed X number of years or consistently, I don't know how long, and then revival like broke out. Well, it didn't really break out. What happened was they unseated uh, uh, an evil prince that was ruling for darkness. And when that, that spirit is unseated, then the Lord Jesus Christ can reign. 
And he'll begin to mobilize his church to go out and win souls, harvest souls, do whatever is necessary to do so that his work can get done. And so we saw in the last uh, segment where um, the watchers and the holy ones began to announce a change in government on the earth. Nebuchadnezzar, who ran everything, was unseated by uh, uh, other rulers, and they took over uh, his his dominion for seven years. And then he was replaced back once he began to understand who God was and that he was not the one who was making all these great things happen to him. And I think people have to realize that God does not release people on this earth to just do what they want to do. The Bible says that that the he who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of the Lord. And so if you're not ruling in the fear of the Lord, God is not pleased with what you're doing. Uh, I think we get confused about that. We think God can just sits there and does nothing uh, while stuff goes on. But if you really tap into God, you find out he's busy all the time trying to get people free, get people saved. All of those things that we have in our hearts that, that need to be done. So don't ever lose heart. Don't ever let the enemy fool you into thinking that things are just going to get worse and there's no hope for us. And God's judging this and he's going to do this and do that. Uh, God doesn't operate like that. He has a great plan. And I think if we pay attention to God, we'll find out what his plan is. And then do your part. You have a part Everybody who's saved, that ever was saved, has a part in God's plan. And I think it's good that for me, I figure like this, do what God says to do first. You know, don't think God's going to wait for you forever. I got to do this and I'm going to do that when. You you don't, you're not in charge. You're not. So it's best to just fall in line and then your life will flow right. He has you included in this plan, you know. He knows what you want. He knows people are anxious for everything. He knows we don't want to wait for anything. And we certainly don't want to trust him right off the bat for things, you know, and just let God have his way and believe that in due season we'll receive. We all get anxious. I don't know about you, but I ask sometimes, when is this going to happen? What's the, I'm tired of waiting. You know what I'm saying? And so he knows that, and he's taking care of all of that so that we can be blessed and happy and full of joy. When you're blessed, it comes without sorrow. You you can enjoy the blessings of God and, and see what it's like, you know, for a change, <laughs> to wait for God to bring it into your life than to keep going out there trying to do it yourself, you know. So, But some people, that's all they want to do. They don't really care to have God's intervention or leadership unless they're desperate for something or hard up i think people think that's what it means to live with god but that's hardly it he has plans folks and it's best to fit in with his plan just come with nothing nothing up your sleeve nothing in mind you know the enemy loves to get people in the flesh where they're impatient for things and that's when he can really get you to mess up big time so we want to do what god and this is important work prayer is very important i don't know what you think but yeah i see people want to i want my ministry i say are you praying you know that's enough of a ministry right there until he advances you and tells you about something else 
stick with prayer. What's wrong with that? See, for most people, it's not up front enough. Nobody can see you pray. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just stay in, the, stay in the saddle a little bit longer. You, you'll be launched soon enough. Then you got other things to worry about. Are these people going to pay me after I preach and can I live off of that? So it's always going to be something. So praise the Lord. So, okay, so we're on page 35, what angels do. Does the company you work for have a job description for your position? Most firms do that sort of thing. The personnel office of almost every large business and many smaller ones as well draws up a list of tasks for which each employee is responsible. So not only is this true with angels, but it's true with people. It's true with the people of God. It says here it may give the qualifications for each job too and indicate the persons to whom the employees must report. That's a good approach. That way there's no misunderstanding on the part of the boss or the worker about what is expected. Everything is open and on the table. In a very real sense, the Bible gives us a job description for angels. Yes, God has been pleased both has been pleased both by way of deliberate teaching and by way of example to show us at least some of what his marvelous angelic creation does. Not all angels do the same things, of course, for the Lord has made various assignments. God's angels are active. In this chapter, I'd like to show you some of the important things angels do. Let's take as our general reference point an outstanding verse from the Bible, Psalm 91:11. for he shall give his angels charge over you. This means that they have responsibility when you are charged with something. That means that you are held accountable and responsible. So angels have responsibility for humans. And they have to give an account to God for what goes on in your life that they are responsible to bring to pass or to carry out. And he says, I will give your angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. That means wherever you go. Angels are there to help you, lead you and guide you, go before you. If you get stubborn or you get deceived and you you uh, get in trouble, they're there to bail you out. You call on the name of Jesus. You don't call for angels. You got me? People People get real exotic and crazy and familiar. Uh, you know, I remember uh, back in the 80s, there were some Christians, some books, Christians. Christians kill me. They won't read the Bible, but you give them some Christian fiction to read, and they'll read that. Or everybody's, well, we're having a war room party. I said, how are you having a party? with?" Or they watch the movie and pass out popcorn. That's the war room party. You know, we tend to take light so many things. That if you're going to do something, get God involved in it, especially in a war room party. They just heard the movie was out. And all the Christians have to go see the movie or there's something wrong with you. If you don't go see it, you're wrong. And then the ones that go see it don't pray anymore. Don't just never moves them to do any good. It's better stay home, read your Bible. At least God God will edify your spirit, give you something to do. But uh, he says the angels will keep you in all your ways. 
there were some books written by a man named Frank Peretti. And, you know, I've seen him uh, interviewed on some Christian programs and they just quit interviewing him because he's very strange. And you can tell that he's not really, you know, somebody who really serves God, is real knowledgeable, but he would write these stuff. It was on spiritual warfare. Well, of course, God was teaching his people from the Bible what real spiritual warfare was all about. So then these books come out. But you have to be careful about the devil. Just because you picked it up in a Christian bookstore, that doesn't mean it's God. And that doesn't mean God had anything to do with writing it. And it don't mean God told you to buy it and then start trying to live by it. And so he wrote all of these books and he had these, put all this, this false information out about Christians and they don't pray and their angels are sitting around bored because they have nothing to do. And I'm thinking, how does he know this? You know, he doesn't know anything. And God didn't tell him to put them lies out. And, but he, they were bestsellers. This man made tons of money off these books of fictitious stuff. And we got prayer manuals and we can barely sell them. You know what I'm saying? And in, in ways that's a good thing because I don't want things that, that, that really are used by God and used for good to just be sitting on somebody's shelf and not utilized. So I know when people start to ask God to give them a tool that will work for them, they'll eventually find us. You know what I'm saying? So however God wants to do it is fine with me. And so, but, but you have to understand that there is real and there's false. There's a world of religion and then there's the kingdom of God. Stay in the kingdom. Amen. Be a worshiper and stay in the kingdom. So it says here, this affirms that it is God who gives angels their responsibilities. And that many of their activities are on our behalf. Worship first. Before angels do anything for human beings, they first continue their ministry to God in praise and worship. Often my mind and heart return to the scene foretold in Revelation 7:11, And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. The Bible gives us several such pictures of angels worshiping God. We've already seen the seraphim proclaiming God to be holy, holy, holy. In Isaiah 6, 3. And in Revelation we read, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5:11 through 12. The angels provide a good pattern for us to follow. How often do we rush off to serve God or others, perhaps in some good and necessary way, and neglect to first worship God and adore him? Of course, we should give God and others our every effort in service. But before that, we need to spend time in his presence, getting our hearts tuned up. Let me see if I need to go. Let me see, page 36. Yeah, all right, so... That's the end of this one. So we know worship is one of the things that are done at the throne of God. And it's a good pattern for us to follow. Before you do anything, worship God. If you do nothing but thank him and bless him, 
and begin to lift your hands and, and acknowledge his presence in your life. You know, you don't always have to feel the presence of God. He's with you all the time. And lifting hands when you don't feel anything is a good way to acknowledge the presence of God that dwells within you. And so it's always good. And angel set the example for us as what is proper to do in the presence of God, and that is to worship him. So, all right, so we're going to have our quiz now, and we're going to finish up.